Knowledge, access, power. P23. Wellness and understanding at your fingertips. P23. And that's no cap. Welcome back to Demystifying DNA, your guide to the captivating world of genetics where we unravel complex scientific concepts for your understanding and engagement. I'm your host, Dr. Tiffany Montgomery, CEO, scientist, epidemiologist, and your friend, joined by my insightful guest today, Tamika Jones. Tamika is a trauma nurse practitioner in Kennesaw, Georgia, with over 20 years of healthcare experience. Tamika is a proud mom, nurse, and member of Zeta Phi Beta Sorority Incorporated. She is co-founder and co-owner of Mind, Body, and Soul IV Hydration and Spa located in Marietta, Georgia. They can be found on Instagram at mindbody underscore soul ATL. You can call them at 770-308-5011 or book your appointment online and find out more at mindbodysoulatl.com. Welcome, Tamika. Thank you. Thank you for having me. We're excited to have you today. Tamika is such a passionate caretaker and powerhouse in the field of medicine that I could not go without inviting her to this episode. You're welcome. In today's episode, Genetics and Appropriate Use, Misuse, and Abuse, we embark on an enlightening exploration of how our understanding and application of genetics can have a profound effect on society. Our mission is to demystify, uncode, and understand genetics as if it was our own business, making it accessible and relatable to everyone. Whether you're a science enthusiast or simply just a curious person like me, we want you to know about the responsible use of genetic information. As we delve into the ethics and implications of genetic knowledge, we aim to shed light on the appropriate use, potential misuse, and prevention of genetic abuse. Let's embark on this journey together, decoding the complex world of genetics for a better informed future. So Tamika, we talked about you being a nurse practitioner and in healthcare for over 20 years. Yes. Tell me what inspired you to become a nurse practitioner? So at the age of 17, I was ejected from a car. Um, Had to learn how to walk again, but the nurses were amazing. Uh, So that prompted me wanted to be a nurse. And as I grew in my nursing career, I desired an autonomy to affect change um, on a higher scale. So I decided to go back to school and become a nurse practitioner um, so that I can have that autonomy to uh, develop treatment plans and actually advocate for people like us um, in my field. So when you talk about being an advocate and helping to advocate for people, especially people who are like us, underserved, not always given the same level of service as our counterparts in society. 
Tell me a little bit more about how you advocate or what's important when you are advocating. What is advocating? So uh, advocating is understanding um, different nuances, you know, that might belong just to the African-American or Hispanic communities. Um, we tend to be very stoic. And so we might have high blood pressure, um, but the blood pressure might not just be because we're hypertensive. It might be because we're in pain or that we're stressed out about a situation. Um, and so being able to see through um, those barriers um, and speak, be a voice for um, people of color is pretty amazing. Um, an example would be someone comes into the trauma bay and they're in pain, but they're quiet. So they don't want to say anything. Um, and people assume that because they're quiet, they must not be in pain, but their blood pressure is 190 systolic. Um, in those moments, you have to ask the questions and find out and then medicate. Um, so things like that. So one of the things that I took away from what you said, which you really said a lot, right? So I appreciate that. But one of the key points that I heard you talk about is understanding. And I think that it's important as we talk about what does it mean to demystify genetics? You cannot explain something or articulate it if you don't understand it. Correct. So one of the things we have to work on to push is the understanding so that you know how to speak up for yourself, how to communicate what you need or a loved one. Uh, and, and create more patient advocates just through understanding, not being afraid to say, I feel pain. You have to be informed enough about your body to know my normal blood pressure is not 190 over 110. Help right. me. Right. Right. Um, or unfortunately, if it is, you have to be informed enough to say to my primary care doctor, I think I need a high blood pressure medicine because... I'm, every day I take my blood pressure, it's in the 190s. So how we do that is by having conversations like this and we work on making these things more accessible. I think when you understand, it changes your access level just because you have an understanding of what you need. Right. And then to further explain how I advocate, right, there's difficult conversations that need to be had between providers. Um, so that they can also have an understanding, but that's a whole nother side oh, of things. Whole nother side. So there are multiple conversations that are going to go into creating that understanding. But like you said, it's a dialogue. It's constant, right? Correct. So what are some of the ethical considerations that you have seen in your career surrounding the responsible use of genetic information? Um, I think that the most profound that we can talk about um, would be Henrietta Lacks um, and the use of her cells to create um, Henrietta Lacks and the use of her cells to create uh, all types of vaccines and cures for different diseases without her knowledge. Um, how do we protect ourselves from situations like that? Uh, you go into the hospital and you expect people to be responsible with your blood tissue samples or what have you, and then you end up in such a controversial situation. First of all, you said understanding, right? 
So if we don't understand what is going on around us, procedures that are being done to us, we have to not be afraid to open our mouth and ask the question, what are you doing and why are we doing this? So we talked about Henrietta Lacks, and I want to go into more detail about Henrietta Lacks because everybody may not know. Sometimes things happen and we think about all of the good that they provide. Um, But I want to dig into that a little bit more. And what I would like to just say is that from the use of the cells belonging to Henrietta Lacks, we developed something or created something that was cloned and mass produced in the laboratory side called HeLa cells is the short name for them. Correct. And with the HeLa cells, we have been able to unpack and understand so much about the human body, how it will respond. It's created the whole field of in vitro diagnostics. I would like to make sure that our listeners understand Henrietta Lacks was really an important person in science. She lived in the 1950s um, and doctors took some of her cells when she was sick with cancer. It was a type of cervical cancer. These cells were special because they kept growing and dividing outside of her body. Unlike most cells, when you take out most cells, they will die. So we as scientists call them HeLa cells and they're named after Henrietta Lacks. Mm -hmm. These HeLa cells have helped to develop many experiments and learn about a wide number of diseases, not just cancers, and how to treat them. They have been used to develop vaccines, study cancer, and do all sorts of medical research. The problem is Henrietta Lacks did not know her cells were taken, and her family didn't know for many years. But today, we remember her and honor her for her important contribution that was made to science. Absolutely. While she has change science in ways that we could never truly say thank you enough for, it's still important that we know what is going on with our body. You may have a cell that could change science, but it's up to you to give consent for somebody to study that, to clone that, to mass produce that. When it happens without your consent, that's misuse and abuse. Correct. What are some of the potential implications that you can think of that affect genetic knowledge on society today? Um, Aside from science being changed, right, um, there's also ways to um, gather people's DNA to use it in a legal sense and investigations and things like that. Um, Also, it's ethical. It's mm -hmm. not really... And when we get into the ethics, there are not really laws governing ethics. It's up to us to be responsible, compassionate, empathetic, level-headed human beings to say, this may be a violation. Let me ask. Let me not overstep my boundary. And that is based on someone's own morals and values. And so if you think about the spectrum, right, all of us carry ourselves differently. And so how... Is this person thinking that's gathering my cells, my tissue, my blood, what have you? So we see it all the time, especially when you're working in your hospital capacity, Mm -hmm. right? 
you're drawing the bloods, you're taking these tissue samples. How do we as healthcare consumers prevent genetic abuse and misuse when we're in situations that we can't control, like at a hospital or going to the doctor or you're giving that lab sample? How do we, not as providers, I'm not talking about as providers, how do what, what information could we give to our consumers? I would have to say, ask questions. Ask all the questions. If there's anything that you are unsure of, ask the questions. Speak up for yourself. Um, as providers, we are required to inform the consumer. And so in order to get the information, you would have to ask the question. So whoever is gathering your tissue, blood samples, or what have you, ask them what they're doing with it. Um, and if you have not signed a consent for um, treatment, then you need to ask them, hey, do you have consent for this? You know? So another thing that I would say that I've seen on the lab side of it is you perform the consent. I've had clients, customers ask, what happens to this sample after you finish the test? Legally, we're only allowed to test for exactly what you give us consent for. Meaning if you send your sample to the lab to be tested for HPV, and I'm looking for human papillomavirus, I have no right to look for HIV, chlamydia, gonorrhea, or anything else without your express written consent. We've come up with some HIPAA laws and some patient protection laws to try to stop that kind of thing. But if you can't get an answer, don't send the test. And another thing that I've seen in many, many years of working in the lab, people will put notes and it will say, destroy my sample after use. I didn't know that was a thing. That is a thing. I've seen it. I encourage people to write it. It doesn't matter what they have written on there. You write it, you initial it, and you date it. Test it for exactly this and destroy my sample. Correct. A lot of times in the lab, we'll save them for a period of time as it's required by the federal government or for retesting purposes. Let's say the first one didn't work. So you may run the risk of if your first test not work, you may have to give another sample. But for a lot of people in many situations, it's more peace of mind for me you to come back to me and recollect a new sample than for you to save that sample and use it again for the test that I ordered or any other research test that you want to do is not okay. So you protect yourself by being informed, reading the fine print, and after you read it, put your own instructions on there as to what you want to happen. What I would like to know is how do we Aside from having conversations like what we're having now, how do we empower individuals to make sure they have the knowledge to understand the complexity of genetics? What are some things that you would recommend as a nurse practitioner and advocate for your patients? What could you recommend? I would have to say that's difficult. Other than asking questions, I mean, that's the biggest thing is ask the question. Um, And when you get an answer, ask it again. Check that answer. Well, Make what sure is it? Understand. What is it called? The five five yeses or what have you? Five questions. When you ask multiple questions and you reform them, oftentimes you can get more information 
out of that person. So you might say, hey, what are you going to do with my sample? Oh, you know, these tests are ordered. Okay, so what are you going to do after you run the tests? Um, And then after that, you know, and who else is looking at my my? Have you noticed in your profession, and I'm not talking about you in general, but maybe when you look at interactions, do people in the medical field or in the hospital industry kind of get frustrated when people ask questions? Absolutely. Um, Because we're on the time frame, right? We have 15 patients and we got to do all these 15 things. And so I don't have time to sit here and listen to you, but it's your time to advocate for And so asking the questions, even if they do get frustrated, you know, get the answers that you need. So if someone gets frustrated with me, would that change the quality of care that I might receive? It could. But you also have the option of asking for another provider or another health um, caretaker. You don't have to deal with that. You are entitled to information. So I agree with you 100 percent. I also advocate for knowing things before you get in that situation, because what I found is when things are intense and you're in the heat of the moment of, I just found out, oh my God, I have cancer, or I just found out, oh my God, I have HIV. It is so important to understand these things before you get to that, oh my God moment. So never stop asking questions. Correct. We want to promote, you know, Things have become, in this day and age, when you hear about curious or curiosity, you immediately think about sexuality. It has so much more of a meaning than that. Mm -hmm. And it is okay to be curious. It is okay to ask questions because curiosity is that light that keeps you burning. It keeps you going, right? right? So I like promoting curiosity, understanding, and engagement. I would like us to get to the point, even on this platform, where people are able to call in and ask their questions and have that open dialogue. I spend a lot of time going back through the comments and trying to answer the questions. Uh, But when you think about a podcast like ours that's aired on so many platforms, it can be extremely challenging. Of course. So as we encourage these questions and we encourage these dialogues, we advocate for ourselves and we understand our rights. I want to make sure that that platform is there for people to have their questions answered. While I'm not a medical doctor, I am a scientist and I do have a wealth of information and questions that you can ask your doctors, your providers, and really take charge of your health. We believe in being proactive and we believe in prevention. And with that, it is a perfect alignment with self-care and taking care of your own temple. You have the ability to make it to really be a self-care guru and you can tell people all about it. You're in a very unique position. But I wanted you to tell us a little bit about self-care, how you define it, and then how Mind, body, and soul IV hydration and spa is a part of that self-care journey. Okay. So self-care, right? Self-explanatory is taking care of yourself, but not only um, as far as your health is concerned, but also your mental health, your uh, body, 
uh, your spiritual health, making sure that you're in tune with whoever your higher power is or whatever it is that gives you energy um, and making sure that you're hydrating. Right. So at Mind, Body, Soul, we do IV hydration. We're mobile and we have an office. Um, so we offer either to our clients um, and IV hydration is more than just getting a bag of fluids so that I can feel hydrated and I have a dry mouth. You know, um, there's vitamins and supplements that can build up the immune system and build up the body as a whole. Uh, there's antioxidants that can also help um, protect your DNA in certain senses, right? Um, help with longevity. We did a podcast on longevity. Absolutely. Um, build up your mitochondrial health so increase your energy levels, right? Um, so mind, body, soul would plan to self-care as in getting, you know, at least once a month IV treatment to build yourself back up uh, with all of the oxidative stress that we face out in the world, uh, chemicals, radiation, uh, exhaust from vehicles and things like that. This just kind of helps to uh, reinforce your immune system. So wait, you're telling me that if I'm at home, not feeling well, let's say I'm dehydrated, maybe I have a hangover or maybe I have the flu, I can call you and you'll come? Absolutely. Wow, that is amazing. And do are you noticing people actually feel better when they have these fluids replaced? Oftentimes they start to feel better as we're giving them fluids. Um, so hydration is big. We're 75% water, right? Um, and so we don't drink enough, but this is the equivalent to giving you one to two gallons of water back in your system that you would never be able to drink in 30 to 45 minutes, right? Um, so it's a it's it's been an interesting endeavor. Um, but I have seen a lot of people's lives change. People who had chronic urinary tract infections because they didn't drink enough water. Um, and now they get drips every two weeks and they haven't been back to the hospital for a urinary tract infection, didn't have any issues on their lab work. So it really can be a game changer as far as longevity and overall health is concerned. Last week, we uh, talked on our episode about GLP-1s and weight loss. And we find people who are, some people who are going on those medications are having problems with nausea, vomit, and diarrhea. It might be a perfect combination to introduce IV hydration when you are experiencing those uh, symptoms that will really help get you back on track and alleviate some of that. Another thing that came to mind when you started talking, people who have um, gastric surgeries or gastric issues and their, their tummies really can't hold that much water, right. but they need a lot of water and fluids. So it's amazing to have a resource like that, um, that we can contact. We have a membership program at P23 Health, and I would love to put a link for you on our website so that our local members have someone that they can call and say, hey, I was referred by P23, hook me up, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. So we'll look at that and maybe we can offer people a, a discount. I won't put you on the spot right now, but we'll offer we'll them a little discount off of their first service and if they use that link to book. So I would love to do that. You all check the website. Subscribe to our mailing list because once that's live, I'm gonna I'm gonna email you like right away and text you and say, <laughs> use your link. Um, so I'm excited. I really am into self-care, wellness, and just making sure that you keep your body hydrated. A lot of people now are trying to lose weight and get those summer bodies ready for uh the swimsuit. 
Hydration is such a big key in metabolism, controlling your weight and even activating weight loss. So that's just research. That's not even like a Tamika plug. Like that's just facts. So I am excited to have you. Thank you for coming. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Is there any last words? No, I think I'm good. This has been this has been interesting. I hope to come on later. We'll do something else. I hope to bring you back for questions because I know my listeners always have questions and they love to engage. Every couple of episodes, we try to get together, bring all the guests back and just have questions. So I would love to have you again, if nothing else for that um, or for other topics in the future. This has been a blast. We are grateful to have you. you. As we conclude our illuminating exploration of genetics and appropriate use, misuse and abuse, myself, Dr. Tiffany Montgomery, that curious lady. And nurse Tamika Jones extend our heartfelt gratitude for joining today's conversation. Throughout this episode, we delved into the ethical considerations surrounding the responsible application of genetic knowledge, highlighting the importance of using genetics for the betterment of society while safeguarding against misuse and abuse. At Demystifying DNA, our core mission is to empower individuals with the knowledge and understanding necessary to navigate the complexities of genetics. We hope this episode has sparked your curiosity and enhanced your understanding of the responsible use of genetic information, fostering a more informed and ethical approach to the genetic realm. Stay engaged, keep questioning, and continue to join us on Demystifying DNA, where we make the wonders of genetics accessible to all. Together, Let's explore the possibilities and implications of our genetic makeup, ensuring a future where genetics is used appropriately, responsibly, and ethically. Remember, we're here to guide you through the genetic journey, making science easy to comprehend and meaningful. And lastly, don't forget, we're with you every step of the way. Knowledge, access, power. P23. Wellness and understanding at your fingertips. P23. And that's no cap.